the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked the spirit, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of the man. They were all amazed and kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. In baptism, our mother, who gives us new birth. Amen. Well, I guess we need to deal with the demons. Not that I want to. After all, we believe in science. Yet, there are a good number of Christians in this country who believe in a supernatural God. A kind of God who's like a super boyfriend, really, if you believe in him, you too can work the miracles that Jesus did, including casting out demons. Nothing to do with us. Is that your response to demons? If I were to do a search or a brain scan for the word demon in my consciousness, what comes, what comes up for me is the Broadway musical, later made into a movie, Sweeney Todd. Now, being a huge Stephen Sondheim fan, I can't resist going there right now. Let's, let's talk about something other than just politics and the pandemic, right? Of course, the premise of Sweeney Todd is anything but light and fun. But before we go there, we're going to use the Zoom polling feature now to get some congregational participation. The poll's going to come up. How many have you seen? How many of you have seen Sweeney Todd, either live or in the movie, or maybe you've never even heard it, heard of it? So the polling is open. Take a moment. This is actually a good practice for the annual meeting as well. It is a great musical. I could ask other questions like, what decade is, is it from? 
and of course it is from the late 70s, and of course Stephen Sondheim is the greatest Broadway composer, but I digress. Let's close the poll, and here come the results. And I can't exactly read them. Bo, can, do you have your microphone? Four to 44 have heard of it only. 20% have seen it. Good. 20% have seen the movie, 13% the musical. And how many have never heard of it? All right, you'll go away from church learning a lot about Sweeney Todd today and demons, I promise you. So the main character in Sweeney Todd is the demon barber of Fleet Street, as the opening song states. And Sweeney Todd is truly evil. Seeking revenge for a long-held grievance, he, well, I guess this is now rated R, he slits the throats of unsuspecting customers sitting in the barber's chair for a shave. Then he sends them down a chute to Mrs. Lovett, who uses them in meat pies that she then sells in her shop. Ew. Oh, but there's another song, actually a ballad, that Mrs., well, conniving Mrs. Lovett sings to someone who is onto her, nothing's gonna harm you, not while I'm around. Demons are prowling everywhere nowadays. I'll send them howling, I don't care, I've got ways. Now, most of us would probably say that evil is prowling around rampantly in our world, but demons, exorcisms, let's be clear, I've never done an exorcism, and I don't think there is an exorcism right in our Lutheran liturgical books. So let's come at it another way. What did Jesus do in his first 100 days of ministry? Well, the Gospels say it differently. In Luke, Jesus gives an inaugural speech, laying out his platform, preaching good news to the poor. In Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus goes up a mountain and like a new Moses, teaches and gives the Sermon on the Mount. In John, this divine Jesus does his first miracle and turns water into wine with great symbolism. But in Mark... Now, Mark is more earthy. Mark is more primitive. Demons are busy and active, prowling around like beasts. So think of today's gospel as a journey halfway around the world and two millennia back. Because Jesus is possessed. Jesus is possessed by the Holy Spirit. But the man in the gospel with the unclean spirit is possessed by a demon. With his condition, he shouldn't even be in the synagogue. And sure enough, he causes a commotion. He's lost his voice, and it's the demon who speaks. The demons in Mark know who Jesus is, even if no one else does. And the demon blurts out of the man, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to, have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. Here's what I wonder. What do we blurt out when we are threatened by fear, when we resist change? 
change. When a prophet comes among us speaking with authority, but we don't want to hear the truth that that person, that prophet announces. Do these ancient texts have anything to do with us? Many of us progressive Christians act as if we don't really need God. We've got things under control, thank you very much, though the past year may make us begin to question that. What do demons have to do with us? What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you have to do with the insurmountable problems in our country? In his inauguration speech, our president said that it is time to end this grim era of demonization. Time to put away the harsh rhetoric, to lower the temperature, to see each other not as enemies, he said. But it's so hard to imagine how that's going to happen when the way our country hears news or reads social media feeds, we all hear things differently, a completely opposite spin. We are possessed with such absolute certainty of being right that not even the, the events of January 6th can change the minds of those who believe in conspiracy theories. Nothing to do with us? Maybe some, something like demons or some kind of power we don't understand is prowling around in the things that seem beyond our control. The pandemic and racial unrest, unemployment, negativity, mean-spiritedness, the spread of untruths and lies, the concern for self over common good. And if we want to come to demons now from even a different angle, think about how people talk about the personal demons someone faces. For some, it is an addiction that can spiral out of control and sometime, sometimes ruin lives, or mental health issues and scary times when we wonder whether we'll be able to make it to the other side or to the morning. Or maybe in all of these, our inability to believe that things can ever get better, the demon that tempts us to give up either defeated and helpless, or bitter and angry. I remember hearing that some reporters noted that during the Capitol siege, there was something scary in the eyes of the rioters. What possessed them? But let's think of it broader. Maybe it's not exactly demon possession, but most of us have felt possessed at times by something we can't control or understand, anger or lust or the need for power or fear or self-doubt. Tennessee Williams once said, if I lose my demons, I'll lose my angels. Maybe naming the demons is the beginning of healing. 
maybe naming and facing the demons begins to open us up to a power, to a power greater than merely ourselves. Jesus sends the powers of evil reeling. He brings freedom, light, and healing in the words of our gathering hymn. What an awesome scene in our gospel. Everybody is falling all over Jesus. He speaks with authority, not like the religious leaders. He's the hot new ticket in town. Oh, oh, but wait. Soon enough in Mark, things will change, and the people will think that Jesus is out of his mind, that he is the one with demons. What does that have to do with us? Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that any religious, any political leader can be praised by one person and then denounced by another. After the commotion in the synagogue, Jesus silences the unclean spirit. And in Mark, he often tells people to keep silent about who he is. Now the reader knows, we know, but most of the people in the story don't. It's not until the silence is broken. Where? At the God-forsaken cross. There the centurion. There the centurion makes the affirmation, the confession of faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Is that the clue to today's demon dilemma? Or to put it differently, with the question from our gospel. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Everything. Everything. It's at the cross. It's in suffering. It's in helplessness. It's in letting go that God is revealed. When the demons of injustice try to silence the good news, Jesus comes. When the demons of fear take possession of us, Jesus heals. When the demons of apathy and anger and aggression seize us, Jesus brings reconciliation and peace. And when we convulse and we resist the new thing that will set us free, Jesus speaks with authority, calling you to be more than you could ever imagine and reminding you of God's faithfulness, God's promise to you in baptism, slightly rephrasing Sweeney Todd. Demons are prowling everywhere, but there's nothing that's going to harm you, not while I'm around not while God is with you. Dear people of God, demons are not whatever we call them. May this life-giving spirit possess you and fill you with deep joy, deep peace, and deep hope.